Welcome to Cinescope Today, where our goal is to view and discuss current release films from a perspective that celebrates movies and their stories, characters, music, and relevance to the world around us. Not necessarily free from criticism. I'm your host, Chad Hopkins, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host for Cinescope Today, Seth O'Neill, and we are talking about the 1517 to Paris. Seth, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, as always. Good to hear. Uh, Good news, you're going to be moving in sooner than expected, and uh, that process is sort of underway, and so these episodes will hopefully be churned out a little bit more frequently. Now, next next week, we've got Black Panther releasing, and we are planning on talking about that one as soon as I get back from San Antonio, and I'm definitely looking forward to it after... Uh, this week's movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Black Panther is definitely a really anticipated movie. Has heard, I've heard a lot of great things about it from uh, just what I've seen on social media. And yeah, I am moving in quicker than uh, normal. A lot of things have happened in the past few weeks that are speeding up the process. So I'm excited to finally move in and be back in the mesquite. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and jump right into this review. Uh, one positive to be said about it before we get into any of our many, many negatives. Um, we got to see the Ready Player One trailer again. <laughs> yeah, that's something that we're both super excited for. We both have read the book and are anticipating just... Uh, ho- we, have, we have high expectations, so hopefully the, the movie doesn't disappoint us. Yeah, I hope not. I, I hope it's awesome in at least its own respect, even if it's not super true to the book. But uh, we've got a, a month and a half away from that, and that will definitely be on Cinescope today when we get there. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. We are talking about the 1517 to Paris. It was released on February 9th of 2018, was directed by Clint Eastwood, who also directed Space Cowboys, Mystic River, Million Dollar Baby, Letters from Iwo Jima, Changeling, Gran Torino, Invictus, Hereafter, J. Edgar, Jersey Boys, American Sniper, and Sully. It was written by Dorothy Bliskow, I believe. Uh, and it was based on the book, The 1517 to Paris, The True Story of a Terrorist, a Train, and Three American Soldiers, written by Jeffrey E. Stern, as well as our three heroes, as it were, Spencer Stone, Alex Garlados, and Anthony Sadler. The music was composed by uh, Christian Jacob, who I don't believe has really worked in films before, but correct me if I'm wrong, and Thomas Newman, who has worked in films and also composes scores for Shawshank Redemption, Little Women, Meet Joe Black, American Beauty, The Green Mile, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, Cinderella Man, Wally, The Help, Skyfall, Saving Mr. Banks, Bridge of Spies, Spectre, Finding Dory, and Passengers. And the movie, once again, does star the real-life people from the incident. There's Spencer Stone, Alex Garlados, and Anthony Sadler, as well as Mark Mugalian, Isabel Riziker Mugalian, and Chris Norman all playing themselves. And then other incidental characters are Judy Greer, Jenna Fisher, uh, Ray Corisani, Tony Hale, Thomas Lennon, Jaleel White, and PJ Byrne. So for Cinescope today, we like to talk about our spoiler-free opinions to start with most of the time. But if we talk too much about our spoiler-free stuff, we're going to start talking too much about the movie. And so, uh, bottom line, Seth, would you recommend this movie, especially in theaters, or no? Sadly, no. (laughs) And we both talked about this. Uh, This, the movie itself, uh, it's hard to watch for the majority of it. The the biggest 
climax part of it happens last 20 minutes, which kind of makes me kind of picks up and that's the part you want to watch. But the build up to it is just kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. To be clear, the, the, the title of the film, the 1517 to Paris is not fulfilled until the last 20 minutes of the film and everything else is filler because they couldn't make a film that was only 20 minutes long. Uh, so yeah, I definitely would not recommend, uh, recommend this for theaters, especially uh, really, I wouldn't even recommend you watch it, period, to be honest. Uh, it, it's not a movie that I actively hated, but it was definitely one that I was far and away uh, away from liking. So uh, there's our spoiler-free stuff. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> now we're just going to sort of dive in about it. So did you have any sort of expectations for this, Seth? Uh, wh- what were your thoughts going in? Like, I do mean, you remember the incident itself? No, I actually did not remember, remember the incident at all. Uh, I'm not sure why I did not remember it or what I was doing during that time. Uh, but I don't remember what happened. The, going into the movie, I mean, I didn't really have any expectations at all because it wasn't really a movie that was very uh, publicized. I, I, I'm feeling like it was, there was not many trailers I saw about it. Not, it's not very really, uh, advertised very well. Uh, but I didn't know knew, uh, know Clint Eastwood's, Eastwood's name was on it, so knowing his uh, cinematic history for directing and producing movies, he has a great kind of uh, portfolio, and he had, all the movies that he's been in charge of have been, have been just awesome cinematic experiences. Cause I've seen a lot of those movies, uh, so I had I had some expectations knowing he was in charge of the movie, but no expectations of the movie itself. Okay, I, that is a little bit different from my uh, perspective. As I shared with you a little bit earlier, I remember when this event happened. I, I just looked while you were talking. It was August of 2015, I believe. And uh, the incident was a big deal in the news for a week or two, however long the news cycle wanted to talk about it. And I remember being even pretty underwhelmed by the news coverage then. Like, it, it it's an inspiring story, for a moment and then it's like okay let's move on i i didn't understand the sort of wave of patriotism that it sort of inspired in uh the the american consciousness just because it's these three american soldiers and i admire them i admire their service but it was something that could have happened to anybody and they just happened to be the ones there and so i was very underwhelmed plus uh here's where i admit that i watched dancing with the stars almost every season and alex scarlatos was immediately uh thrust from the limelight of the incident into the limelight of dancing with the stars like 2 months later and i did not like him very much on the show uh it, it wasn't his dancing ability it was just him i he he wasn't a guy that i i found a lot of enjoyment in so yes i did have a little bit of a bias going into this movie where i i really did not expect to like it i know that's not a fair approach but i think after having seen it, even if I had been a little bit more open-minded going in, I would have had very similar feelings coming out because it just, man, it is not a good movie for so much of the movie. Yeah. I, I mean, just, I, I, and I hate that I, that I'm that we're saying it's such a bad movie, uh, just because I mean the, the service of the, of the guys and what they did was very tremendous and very heroic because they saved the lives of the whole, basically the whole, mm-hmm. all the passengers on the train. So just the their service is so well respected and well deserved, and, and the honor they got was so well deserved. But the fact that just like the movie just was hard to bear and sitting in the audience because it was very awkward. A lot like majority of the movie was very awkward. 
it felt like you were like a, a third wheel on a date type situation <laughs> where you kind of just there to observe what happens and kind of just be a part of it, but you don't really know how to respond. Uh, so it was tough for majority of the movie, except for the parts where I, there were some action sequences, but it was just really awkward. Right. And again, I want to sort of preface the rest of my negative thoughts of this movie with the fact that I do admire these these men for the service that they did commit and that they they were so quick on their feet and heroic and the, the, there was such a positive outcome from this. I, I don't discount that at all. But that that's the best I can say about any of this. And so talking about the story, it's just a disjointed mess that makes little to no narrative sense. Like there's not a story here. There is an incident that takes place in the last 20 minutes. And that is, um, that is worth watching, but that's not worth waiting a whole movie through. And I, I, I get what Eastwood was trying to do by casting the actual people from the incident in the film, but it fails because one, they are painfully, obviously not actors. And two, there's something disturbing to me about these three reenacting their active heroism. I, I don't I wouldn't have had a problem if it had been like actual actors reenacting this because it almost I don't know, there's just something almost grotesque to me about these guys reliving this traumatic experience uh going through this act of heroism again for uh, a paying audience it it just seems wrong to me yeah i i agree that it, it, i think it was just a kind of risk that Clint Eastwood was trying out cuz obviously whenever you hear that the real people are actually acting out their parts it's it's intriguing uh but like you said it just the, the it was very obvious that they were not professional at, at their job at this task uh and it was very awkward ob- awkward at times because i think as we, were, we we talked about there are times where their conversation seemed like they didn't really know what to say because i think that maybe they're told to ad-lib some parts of it and that it was very just uncomfortable because they're kind of just doing like your filler conversation to fill the void and they just didn't know what to do and i feel like they it could have been solved by putting a professional in their in their place kind of like how uh, Will Smith did for Pursuit of Happiness, how he was representing the guy in the situation. And I think the guy was part of the process. Like he would kind of help Will Smith understand the character and understand who he was. So I think having actors uh, to fill the fill their position and then having them there on set, kind of telling them how they felt so they can have a, a real connection with that would have been a better avenue for it. But I mean, I see why Clint Eastwood did it, but it feels like it, it just seems like it was a risk that didn't pay out. Yeah, I mean, just even walking through what we got in the film, we start off with this like weird camera angle of the terrorist himself as he's approaching the train. And I guess that's the, the intent of that is to build suspense. Like we know the story, we know what happens. And so we assume, oh, this is the bad guy. What's, is, is, are we going to get this right at the start? Well, no, we don't. We just get him boarding the train, we get the title card, and then we skip to the three of them in a car, chilling out together. And Anthony is doing a voiceover. He says, yeah, look at me. I'm a black dude hanging out with these two white dudes. I bet you wonder how that happened. Well, I'm going to tell you. And then it goes back to their childhood and he never returns as a narrator again. Yeah, that was, uh, that's what I was one thing I was going to bring up. Like that was just super 
Whenever, whenever they started doing that, I was expecting him more voiceovers like that, but it never came back. That was, it was a one and done, which doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, you have to commit. If you're going to do that, commit to it for the whole film. Don't just like, here, let me show you what's going to happen or let me show you how this happened. And then all of a sudden we flash back and it, it doesn't happen. It, it's, it's so strange. It's like, like a, a th- an opening to like a theme song. Now this is a story. <laughs> I. And then from there we get the the flashbacks to the childhood, and we get the 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 mothers and the parent conferences with the apparently demon teachers and school administrators, uh, whatever. <laughs> we're both teachers, so I, I I have a feeling you had problems with the way they were portrayed as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess maybe they're filming from the perspective of how how uh, how the kids thought of their principals and teachers at that time because they they're always getting in trouble, so they saw them as the evil people always trying to get them in trouble for some reason or not. Uh, so obviously it rubbed me in the wrong way because obviously that's not how teachers are. I mean, there might be some teachers that are like that, but not all the teachers are like that. So it just kind of put a bad taste on just like the education system. I have sort of two problems with it. The the first is that, uh, so much of the movie, including those scenes almost feel like the, the trio sat in a room with the screenwriter and they reminisced together. And it was like, you remember this one time when this happened and we were doing the complete right thing and everybody else was just being mean to us. That that's what it sort of felt like a yeah. lot of the time, where they were just obviously the protagonist of the situation, and everybody else was uh, the antagonist, basically. And then the other side of that was these characters, specifically Alec and Spencer, were portrayed as Christian, and I admire that quality about them throughout the film. There are various instances where uh, even after they've taken down the terrorist, and Spencer is holding the the guy's neck closed so that he doesn't die uh he says would you like me to pray with you so i mean even even those small things I, i i admire their christianity but at the same time they were trying to make the christianity aspect of these characters a positive thing they were making the christianity aspect of the teachers a negative thing and so it was this conflict between the message the film was trying to get across. Like, is Christianity positive or is it a negative? And which perspective are we supposed to believe? Yeah, for sure. And I, I agree that they did not portray the education, the private school education Christianity very well uh, compared to the kind of the personal life. I th- they, they kind of felt like it was a choice. You're either one or the other. There was no like connection between the two. So that was kind of a weird uh gap for that uh part of the movie another thing that i did not like was during the movie it kept kind of jumping back and forth and i i a lot of movies do that where they go from kind of a, the flashback sequence but for this movie i feel like i was being yanked like mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't feel comfortable when it went from kids to all of a sudden adult to the, the to like the scene, then back to the kids, and like I felt like I was being jerked along this little path, and I had no idea what was happening. Yeah, it was like whiplash, and uh, again, it doesn't work structurally as a storytelling device. It doesn't tell a co- cohesive story at all, and nor does any of it interest me. Like like I said earlier, th- this movie was about the incident on the train, and we got that. But before we got that, we got a whole bunch of backstory that I really don't care about. Yeah. And part of that was also the the stories with their mothers struggling as single mothers, uh, leading them through the school system, going and being told by the teachers 
that, oh, maybe, maybe you should medicate them because they probably have ADD or, you know, actually you should send the child to live with his father because I think that would be a better environment for like, it, it was so one that's way overstepping your bounds as a school teacher or administrator. Maybe that happened. I, I, I guess it had to, it, in some capacity, or I would trust or hope that they wouldn't put it in the film. Uh, but in any case, nothing came of that incident or of that storyline within the film. Uh, it, it felt like it was just sort of put in as a way to create tension in their childhood so that they have something to overcome and grow from. Yeah. And I was hoping that the flash, like the thing that about all these childhood flashbacks, I was ho- that I didn't feel like there, there was a true message behind this, why they're telling the childhood stories. I feel like if they would have connected it to how they became who they were as soldiers or why, or if that was a purpose of why they chose being a soldier, other than the fact that they're interested in airsoft guns and wearing camo. Like yeah. that was kind of like the only connection that I could make like from what they actually showed, showed me on the the movie of why they wanted to be in the army. And then if they had been able to connect Maybe not having a dad and them wanting to be the man of the house and wanting to step up and protect the, her, their, his family or whatever, or uh, just some other reason of how they got to becoming who they were. That would have been awesome. That would have mm-hmm. been a lot of purpose to why they're doing this childhood flashbacks. But I feel like I was just watching just their childhood with no story or no meaning behind it. Right. Uh, any other story stuff? Uh, other than the word, like honestly, the worst worst i think worst part of the movie was us watching their europe trip yeah and watching them take <laughs> selfies behind all, all these like european monuments and finding this asian girl that joined tagged along for like 10 minutes of the movie that was the most awkward 10 minutes ever <laughs> of them talking and eating and drinking and it was just weird which again i mean those events probably did happen but why do we need to, we don't need to see it in the movie because it doesn't tell us anything. It doesn't do anything for us. There was literally zero purpose and uh, it, yeah, it just was not okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, I mean, me and you've been to Europe and like all the mm-hmm. places they went to, like that was, uh, I, that was us like them, like doing all the kind of the touristy stuff made sense. Cause I mean, that's what you do at Europe. You'd be touristy. But for the f- fact of the movie, there was, it, it was just no point. Like that right. did not give us any, meaning to why that we were watching it other than again like kind of like i was saying it's kind of like we're being the awkward third wheel kind of just there to enjoy the awkwardness of their conversations well going on to characters really the only one i have a whole lot to say about is spencer because he is sort of our main protagonist throughout the film and he he's really the only one to me who has any sort of appeal in the story period uh I admire his desire to overcome being bullied as a child uh, and to to finally commit himself to something that was something he'd struggled with throughout his childhood. And it was almost sort of a dare uh, or a challenge to his character in him deciding to lose the weight and uh, commit to the Air Force and follow through with it despite not qualifying for the the field that he wanted or uh, being demoted because he overslept one day and things didn't go his way. And still he didn't drop out. He still, he, he stayed with it and uh, it it led him on the path that led to the European trip and the, the train in Paris. And 
So I, I, I admired his journey. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and and what's what's awkward? What's awkward again? I, I hate I hate talking about so many bad things about it. Because uh, Spencer seemed like he was kind of the main person of the trio in the movie, but at the same time, the movie just didn't have that. Didn't tell you who was the main focus at all. So mm-hmm. it was kind of weird trying to figure out who you're trying to focus on the most. But Spencer was kind of the one you wanted to focus on because his development was one that was more obvious than the three because he had a more I guess compelling story mm-hmm. of overcoming his uh friends leaving him like both his friends moved he had lived by him he was basically in his own little town with his mom just by himself obviously was out of shape uh wanted to do so many things with his life he wanted to be play football he quit want to play basketball he quit so he was known for being a quitter and that's how uh anthony like described him. he's like man like whenever he told me i want to be in the air force like all right you're not gonna do it Mm -hmm. like that and and so he was able to overcome a kind of his previous history of quitting and overcome his weight uh overcome his just uh whenever an obstacle came his way where whatever he wasn't be able to do a pair uh, uh what was it para i don't remember exactly what it was i was trying to remember i can't but remember. It, it was it was a specific branch of, of the air force it was like para rescue maybe para rescue i think that's right uh so he, whenever he got denied a para rescue he could easily gave up then but he didn't so that he showed a lot of development just from just that that part of the movie of joining the Air Force. Uh, and then also after that, using everything that he learned, even that uh, even through the classes that he struggled with uh, to help his mission on the train. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just a kind of a full circle of this. This was his purpose. This is why he went through all that to get up to this moment and to be the hero that this train needed, because Alex. Alec wasn't trained for it. The, the specific scenario they're in, obviously, Anthony didn't have any uh, military military experience or, yeah. at all. So he was the one that was best fitted for the situation because he had the medical experience and he had the uh, tactical experience of how to stop this terrorist. So yeah, I mean, all, all three guys did have their moments of heroism, but Spencer was the one who, far and away, sort of outshone the others, if, if I can say that. Um, he was one who who charged the terrorist and held him down and incapacitated him. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot to admire about him and his growth and his growth as portrayed in the movies too. D- despite all the movie's flaws, I think that he did still have an admirable arc, even though Spencer himself as an actor, again, doesn't deliver the way an actual actor could have. Um, now, Alec, do you have anything to say about Alec? I mean... They didn't really give us much to work with for his character because I mean his character. I mean we saw him as a little kid. We didn't really get much from him then. Uh, whenever he was in it as a soldier that was in Afghanistan, I mean they kind of showed him in Afghanistan, showed him making a mistake by leaving his backpack, and then a Skype session with Spencer. And that was really all we got from him in Afghanistan. There was nothing really character wise that we could get from him. And then his whole Europe trip, he was there less than either of them in the movie because he was in Germany with his girlfriend or whatever it was. Yeah, that exchange student. Yeah, and I mean, one of the, the only thing we got from him was he was he went to Germany because he wanted to kind of relive some grandfather's history. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Which I guess you could say was sort of his motivation for joining the Air Force was following in his grandfather's footsteps. But even then, th- it's not super obvious. It's a, a two-minute scene where he's like, yeah, we're sitting in the relative spot that my grandfather did when he 
uh, was in the Air Force back in World War II. I think he said when he got his stripes, become a sergeant. I think is yeah. what he said. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so I, and again, it would have been it would have been better if he would have actually described that that his grandfather was his inspiration to become a, a soldier. That would have been awesome if he had even said that. That way, it gives us some depth in his character. But other than that, I mean, he didn't. There wasn't much given to us to actually understand who he, who he was, who he was, and why he was there. Like, mm-hmm. what was his purpose of becoming a soldier? What was his like purpose there? But I mean, only thing we can really pull from him is, I mean, he stayed loyal. He was a loyal friend because obviously they, from childhood to now in their uh, young adulthood, they're still friends. They're still st- uh, sticking together, and they're wanting to continue to build their friendship, even even though they're separated by countries away. One's in America, one's in Afghanistan. Uh, Spencer was in, uh, mm. I want to say it was like, it was another European country that mm-hmm. he, was, he was based in. I, couldn't, I can't remember what, which country it was. But obviously they're all really loyal friends to each other. They really had deep <clears throat> affection for each other as friends uh, because they wanted to, they could still stay in connection. They wanted to hang out with each other whenever they had their off time, which was very few. Yeah, I I will say that's the the one positive of casting the the actual people is that you could tell that there was a friendship between them even if the their acting performance wasn't there. They together I think had a little bit of uh interperson chemistry. Um but as far as Alec goes, man, he's just the least interesting guy. I mean, the kid actor uh that played little Alec had more personality than Alec himself and he's like that in real life, like, I mean, he, he, he's just not acting and not portraying him. I, I mean, I guess that's true to character uh, because I've seen him outside of a film, but it, he's just not very much involved in anything. And uh, really, he's just hanging out with some exchange student in Germany until the incident. I mean, he, he, uh, frankly, he's boring. And I, I, I hate to be critical like that, but this is a movie and we're treating them like characters rather than actual people because it's a movie and that's what we do. Uh, but yeah, there, there's just not so much to Alex's character. Now, Anthony, I like a little bit more, but I think his dialogue, like the actual writing of what he says is probably the clunkiest of anybody's and his weird obsession with taking selfies the whole film in Europe. And then uh, when they meet the girl on the boat in Venice, he doesn't want to take pictures for a minute. And then all of a sudden she sits down with him and he wants to take pictures again. And it's just strange. But again, it's just weird that he starts as a narrator and then he's not a narrator again for the whole rest of the film. And that's really all I can say about him because there's not much to be said. Yeah, and again, and it's I, I think it's just fault to the dialogue that they gave these guys because if if they would have given them better dialogue to work with, then that would have been able to help their character. I guess maybe their characters more. But I feel like they kind of said, "Hey, just be yourselves during the scene. Kind of just act like you guys acted whenever y'all did this trip." Uh, and they didn't really give them much to work with because I think they they wanted them to be genuine in their words instead of them making kind of forcing them with their own dialogue. Uh, but it's just whatever dialogue was given to them, it didn't really display any character and for each of the uh, guys because we just didn't get it. So again, for Anthony, we didn't really get much. He was kind of just funny at times. Yeah, like you said, he's a likable guy, but none of the words he said really did much for the whole story or for his character at all because it was kind of like funny little short comments or let's take a selfie. That was kind of all we got from him. 
Yeah. Now, as far as any other characters go, did you have anything to say? Really, all we had as far as like actual characters are the mothers. Yeah, and even with the mothers, I mean, there's not much to say because I feel I got I we I like Jenna Fisher a lot. Obviously, we both like her because of The Office. She did, mm-hmm. and, and Pam. Uh, the other mom is Judy Greer. Judy Greer. Where is she, uh, where is she from? Do, do I'm not any? entirely sure. I, I definitely recognize her and I recognize the name, but I don't know her from too many things. Uh, just quick look, looking at stuff. Uh, she said she was in 13 going on 30 Ant-Man Jurassic World. Yeah. Uh, so not really big on her. I mean, I, mean, I I've seen her. She is familiar, but I don't really know stuff personally. I can't really picture her at all. I just know she looks familiar. But both their characters, I mean, again, I, they're both great actresses, obviously, through, through their uh, just cinematography that they've done before. Uh, but again, they, weren't, they just weren't given much to work with. And the characters they had, like, the scenes they were in were very awkward because most of the scenes were the them in school conferences kind of with a negative teacher and them kind of yelling back and forth and arguing. Or it was another dramatic sequence of them yelling at their kids for their behavior or them crying because of separate, all the situations. So it was just weird uh, situations that they were given. Uh, and their dialogue was weird. Like, I, I remember they used, like, SAT words in their, their vocabulary. Like, they used uh, myriad at one point. And I, I wish I remember the other specific instances, but they were like, Things that I would see on an SAT exam and not that I would ever hear in normal, everyday conversation from normal people. Uh, It was weird writing for the moms. And as much as I may like those actresses, especially Jenna Fisher, uh, they didn't have anything to work with. And it it was just all the worse for it. Yeah. And I think I think ultimately all these kind of character flaws go down to just there was no good script. There was no good writing behind it. Because again, I I feel like they could have done something if there was a good foundation that they had, or uh, their characters would have been more developed if they kind of knew what exactly they were needing to do. But I feel like they're kind of just going into it, and they're just like, "Hey, your moms, your single moms, kind of get into that mindset and kind of roll with it." Now, going on to music, I, I assume you don't have a whole lot to say about it, but what what I did listen to and what I did uh, hear was very nice. I mean. Thomas Newman is a very talented composer, and there was a lot of sort of piano-based music in this one. And I thought anytime I could hear it and was paying attention to it, it, it was very pretty. So I don't have any qualms with the music, at least. I don't have any problems with that. I wasn't really paying attention <laughs> to it at all, really. Yeah. I, I was too busy sort of staring dumbfounded at the screen. <laughs> yeah, same. I was kind of trying to get through the cringy moments of the movie. <laughs> now, uh, I did have a couple points of relevance and sort of takeaways that I, I, I did want to highlight. And one is the theme of heroism and not American heroism or patriotism, but just heroism in general. The idea that anyone can be a hero if you react appropriately when the situation presents itself. And beyond that, even sacrificing your safety for the safety of others. And that's that's really what heroism proves to be in this film, especially. You know, Spencer didn't give up his dream of pursuing the Air Force, even when he was denied the one he wanted or when he was essentially demoted further because of oversleeping uh, and the fact that they were all off duty when this incident occurred and they were still willing to risk life and limb in order to protect the, the, their fellow citizens on the train. Uh, so I, I admire 
their act of heroism. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's definitely one big thing that this this uh, film focuses on is the heroism of the each person and their uh, traits that they were, that was brought out during this time of crisis. Uh, the one thing that I pulled out from it uh, for sure is just the uh, theme of purpose, because uh, you can kind of see that Spencer kind of talked about this throughout the movie of what his purpose was, uh, what what's what why was the reason that he was placed in these certain events, and he even talked about whenever he was smoking on the roof, he's like, uh, "You ever think life is just going?" You're, what, 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 I'm trying to remember the conversation. Um, it was like you you're, you're building towards an inevitable destination or yeah. something like that. Yeah, he was talking about how like life, like you can go, uh, you can feel like life's going on so fast, and you're trying to figure out what's going on, or sometimes it'll slow down. He was he was doing some like philosophical stuff because he was like, "What's in that cigarette?" Uh, <laughs> Which, but, by the way, he smoked once in the entire film, yeah. and it was in that. That weird contemplative scene an hour into the movie. Right. Whatever. <laughs> let's, not, let's not think about that. Like, we, we're, we're overthinking things now. Uh, but uh, the whole time you kind of just see that all of Spencer's kind of life moments built up to this time where everything kind of fit together. How all the skills he needed to during this moment was needed. Uh, and his purpose on that train being there at the exact same time. Uh, being on that exact train that where that happened being in this section where he was. Uh, how that all kind of fit into place to protect the lives of hundreds of people that would have been killed and how many people that would have affected in the country uh, that they're in. So it was just a matter of that he was placed there for a purpose. Obviously, his purpose is even greater than just that one event because he, uh, he's still alive. He still has stuff to do. And uh, I know Spencer Spencer, and all, the, all those guys, they based off the movie, have, are Christians, so they believe that God placed them there. Whether you're Christian or not, uh, you know that you have a purpose wherever you are that you're placed on this earth for a reason uh, that you're, you've been through every event you've been through in your life for a reason further on that you can better be better and uh, help others in their lives so that this world can become a better place. Yeah. And I, I had that same second theme written down, except I, I framed it as faith. Um, you know, as a child, we see Spencer laying, kneeling by his bed and I, I looked it up. It's actually a prayer. Cause I, I was sort of in disbelief, like, no way this kid is saying a prayer that is that wordy uh, every night before he goes to bed. But I did look it up, and it's actually the prayer of St. Francis. So it's something he probably learned in church, and it's something that many children know and learned as children growing up in the church. Uh, so no qualms with that. And to me, that indicated that it's a driving force for his interest in and pursuit of a career in the armed forces. Um, and then at the end of the film, after the incident on the train and after he's been honored, we hear him as an adult reciting that same prayer. And to me, that indicated a sort of fulfillment of that prayer that he had been reciting since he was a child. So I, I like this because it showed that Spencer's desire to help and protect others was founded in his belief and his trust in God. And he, he was talking throughout the film about having a sort of greater purpose, about wanting to do something with his life. And even uh, Alex's mother, Jenna Fisher, uh, said when, when he was first leaving for the Air Force or whatever branch he was in, said, uh, I, I, I was praying for you and God spoke to me that something big is coming in your life. And yeah, that probably was just a corny movie line, but uh, I... I, I liked that it these characters were driven by their faith and trust that there is a greater purpose for their lives. Yeah, for, for sure. And that 
Uh, yeah, th- it was obvious that these families were grown in faith. Obviously, they're putting in a private Christian school, and that was it's a big part of their life for sure. So it was nice to see that it continued throughout the movie. That was a consistent theme of how they're strong in their faith and know that they're put through everything that they're put through in their life for a purpose, and that was God working through them uh, based off that. Well, any final thoughts about the movie before we wrap up? Other than the fact that it was rough. I mean, this is this is our first. Obviously, this is our first Cinescope today where we're kind of ba- kind of bashing a movie. Uh, it was yeah, it was just tough to see. It was hard, but I mean, it is what it is. You can't like everything. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the commuter last time, and even though that wasn't great, it was still a fun Liam Neeson yeah. action movie. It was enjoyable. Uh, this, this one, this one was a slog to get through, yeah. and I, I was actually like checking the time, and I never do that when I watch a movie, but I was, I was checking the time. I was in the same. Um, because, and, and it's not a long movie. It's, no. not, it's, it's 93 minutes long. That's just so how he lets in that because that includes the credits. That's just how awkward the movie makes you feel. You're just kind of like, I'm ready for this awkward third, third wheel date to end type deal. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I wish it had been a lot better movie. It unfortunately is not. And that's which, that. So Yeah, which is a disappointment because, again, this is a Clint Eastwood movie. And he's had such a great pedigree of movies. And I, I honestly have not seen a Clint Eastwood movie that I was, I was this disappointed in. Like, mm-hmm. This kind of is kind of his lowest point, to, in my opinion, for the movies I've seen for, about that has his name on it. Yeah, maybe it was just a subject matter or maybe he's getting old. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, he's 87 going on 88. So we'll see. We'll see what the future brings. Maybe he still has a few more hits in him. Uh, but this one just fell short. And uh, with that thought, <laughs> it is the end of the official third episode of Cinescope Today. Contact for the show. You can find us at facebook.com slash Podcast and at Pod on Twitter. Please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Also, subscribing would help us with visibility for the show. And if you have feedback feedback or ideas, you can email thecinescopepodcast at gmail.com. And you can use that if you have any suggestions for uh, movies you want us to cover. I mean, we, we obviously have already listed a couple movies that we are already planning on covering. But if you have any additional films that you'd like us to get around to in off weeks or uh, in in weeks that have multiple options, definitely let us know so we can sort of plan ahead for that. Now, Seth, where can people find you online? Uh, the best way to contact me would be on Twitter at Seth O2. That is Seth, S-E-T-H, the letter O, then the number two. Uh, and other than that, that, that's probably the best place. The best place to find me is at Chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also, Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins. And don't forget, I do have my other podcast, An American Workplace, where we talk about NBC's The Office. It has recently sort of exploded, which is insane. Uh, and I'm very proud of that. So if you like The Office and or if you haven't watched The Office and you'd like to, we don't spoil anything that comes ahead. So you can listen episode by episode and follow through the show with us and uh, experience it anew. So, yeah, go check that out. And don't, there is, of course, the normal Cinescope show where we talk about older movies that we love. And so you won't hear us being negative like we were today. This is just the nature of seeing new release films because we can't guarantee that we're going to like everything we see in the theater. So, uh Go check those out. Show notes and all contact information for the show can be found at thecinescopepodcast.com. And that is all for this week. Thank you for listening to Cinescope Today, Episode 3. I'm Chad Hopkins. And I'm Seth O'Neill. This was Cinescope Today, and we'll be back next time with Episode 4. 
Have fun and celebrate movies. Thank you.